You're listening to the Advancing Your Photography podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silber. I connect you with remarkable photographers who've mastered their craft, sharing their insight and skills so you can put them right to use. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. You guys know who I am, but I'm going to say this anyway. I am Mark Silber, and I'm a photographer and author in Carmel, California. And our episode today is brought to you by our good friends at Bay Photo Lab. We love these guys. Thank you guys for sponsoring us. And thanks for being such a great lab. I've used you for decades decades. And I have made prints that we hang on the wall. We've made lots of cards. Every holiday card we've ever made has come from Bay Photo. My clients' holiday cards, you know, this backdrop that you can see behind me is made by Bay Photo. They will literally will make anything you want with a print on it. So please check them out. You're going to get a 25% discount for doing so. Super important. You're going to hear me talking about it. Okay. Yes, this cool backdrop behind me was made by our friends at Bay Photo Lab. Isn't that cool? You can see their logo there. I needed it. I asked them what would work. And they said, hey, we'll make one for you. So there you go. I'm going to take up this first question. Uh, Mine is... In the business of photography, monetizing my work, finding the right people to get my work in front of, and that type of stuff. Okay. I was thinking about this yesterday on my walk. You know, you're going to have to all reinvent ourselves. Here's the deal. Number one, if you have any desire to be in business right now, you have to do a couple of things. One, you need to reach out like a maniac. I'm not kidding. Whatever you thought you had to do before, you have to 10 exit. And that comes from my friend, Grant Cardone. That's not just a slogan. You have to reach out like never before. Okay. Something else he said in my interview, maybe you could stick the link up uh, to that interview I did with Grant. But he said a couple of things in there that I fully, fully, fully embrace. Number one, if you're having a creative problem, it's not a creative problem. It's a commitment problem. And that in that one sentence lies so much truth. And the same thing holds true for getting clients. First, you got to commit. Then you got to find them. And I can tell you story after story where I have followed that. When I started AYP, I had this much experience shooting videos. That's a zero. This is how much I knew about video production. When I decided I was going to start this whole channel and I reached out to get a sponsor, I had never, ever shot a video and edited it and put anything together and ever, you know, obviously I was a still photographer. I knew nothing about video production, but I committed and I went out And I pitched it to my first client, or my first sponsor, which was SanDisk. And it was in the height of the recession 10 years ago, the worst part of the recession. If you guys were noticing what was going on at that time, all the statistics look like this, a complete downward plunge, very similar to what we've seen recently. With the worst time in the world to go out there and try to launch a show. Okay. So, but I was committed to this. I committed first and then I put together a couple of uh, sample shows. My first one was with Ansel Adams' son in Yosemite. My second show was with Chase Jarvis, of course, who is a huge influencer. 
I didn't have a show. I didn't have a channel. Why did he even say yes to me? Because I was committed and he believed in that. And I took those sample shows. I went to SanDisk and I said, I want to do a show with you guys. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to interview photographers. I want you to sponsor it. And I'm going to make you look really good. And they said, yes. I mean, that was a, <laughs> that was a big day for me when they said yes. And I did that. And I, they got the AYP show kicked off. And it was a wonderful arrangement. Bay Photo also sponsored me just after that. So I, I got some other yeses, but it started with my commitment. And I'm telling you this story because right now, this is how you're going to have to get business. You're going to have to be committed and you're going to have to 10X your reach. And Jared is here. He can attest to the fact that I, I just hunker down when I get an idea I will hunker down and I will send emails and I will make calls and I will reach out until something happens. And that's the way you got to do it. Don't try to do it the old way because that's all gone right now. And that's the best advice I can give you. Reinvent yourself, decide who, what project you want, and then go for it. Just, do, just be unrelenting and believe in yourself which isn't always easy. And I will mention that is kind of leads me into the next part of what I'm going to cover. So in this book, Create, I interviewed 12 extremely creative people. And almost one for one, these guys said stuff like, we all have negative stuff. And I could use a word beginning with S and ending with T, but I'm going to keep it clean. We all have this negative stuff going on. Am I good enough? Why would they want to hire me? Oh, I'm, you know, I'll never make this work. Every one of these really talented, successful, accomplished people basically mentioned that they had these negative thoughts kicking around in their head. And the difference between them and somebody who didn't do it that you've never heard of, like the difference between Chris Burkhardt and somebody you've never heard of is that Chris was able to push that blank out of the way and override it. He had it. The thoughts were there. I've got those thoughts. You've got them. It's unfortunately part of our human condition is that negative garbage. But you've got to be able to rise above it and push it out of the way if you want to make it as a creative. Otherwise, take the easy way. But if you want, you know, easy way, meaning don't follow your creativity. That's not so easy for me. It's pretty hard. I'm just driven. I've got to do creative stuff. I just, I'm no good for anything else. I hope that answers your question. It may sound vague, but I'm going to actually show you what I mean. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to keep this theme going because I think we're all at the point where things are opening up and we're wondering what's next. And I'm going to do this kind of as an analogy and show you kind of an example of what I've done. All right. I've published four books now and I'm actually at work on my Fifth, I'm going to show you what the title is. Speaking of Mexico, can you guys read that? Forever Young. Okay. I bought this in a little town north of Cabo San Lucas. And um, Todos Santos, incredibly cute little town that's changed over the years. I've been going there for, I don't know, decades. And it's getting a little more tourist ridden. But it's still a 
fun drive. It used to be a two-lane road. Now it's a four-lane road. It's gotten a lot easier to get there. It's a tiny little um, village, basically an artist village that essentially the, most of the streets are are not paved dirt roads. I think maybe the main one is lots of little side streets with art, you know, uh, stores and that sort of thing. And one of these stores, I saw this after I'd started writing the book. So I thought, told my wife I had to get it, you know? So anyway, that's, that is the title. Now, one thing you should understand when you're writing a book, the title often changes, often changes like this book. Now here's the next thing about writing a book. It comes back to a notebook. So AYP, I put on the cover, but this is how it ended up. But how it started is in this notebook right here. And one of the titles I had for it at one point was Simple Photography. That got abandoned somewhere along the line. So here's this notebook, guys. And this is the beginning of, of my AYP book. There's all these notes that I've got in here from different things. I was actually other projects here, but this was the first iteration of the AYP book. Let me pull it out here. This was actually a little ebook that I published. It's still kicking around somewhere. You see this? Taking memorable photographs. Look how little it is. I got to keep holding in front. So this is how little it is. You know, there's the cover. There's the inside. I think it has like nine pages. You know, Dan talked about that. Just make little books. You don't have to always think of a huge book. I'm trying to get you guys inspired so you start this project yourself. Anyway, this is the the germ of, of the AYP book. This is how it started. And I took AYP and expanded it, obviously, greatly. But it all started in this little notebook. So first thing, if you want to write a book, stop talking about it and start doing it. How's that for tough love? I'm not kidding. I, if I hear one more person say, oh, I really want to write a book too, but I don't know where to start. Dude, get a, <laughs> whoop, there we go. Get a friggin' notebook and start. If you are thinking like, oh, I don't have a publisher and blah, blah, blah. Forget about all that. That's like, you know, first start putting it together and then find a publisher. Commit first. Start your creative passion and then find your publisher. I mean, don't jump into the next thing. What did I do when I got AYP started? I committed first. I created two shows and I paid to get them created and I put energy into it. Then once I created those things, then I went out and found a sponsor. Yes, it takes cojones, you, but that's what life is all about. Do you want to just sit back and think in 20 years, boy, I wish I had just started, you know, my book writing career 20 years ago. Now I'd have 10 bestsellers. My only regret is I actually put together my first book with my buddy in the eighth grade. We created a whole book. I mean, it was a dummy mock-up, just like this kind of thing, but we never published it. And I'm actually going to publish it soon. I've been thinking about this for a long time. But my only real regret is why the F didn't I just get it published? Dude, you gotta do that stuff. And I let it go. I didn't write my next book until 2016. That was a long time when in between those two points. I could have had 50 books published by now. So here's the deal. So this is how easy it is to write a book, to start a book. 
The journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. I used to teach mountaineering and man, I'll tell you what, you put that heavy pack on. We'd go out for 30, 30 days at a time. You know how heavy that pack is and how soft you are and hung over and, you know, Dan and I were, was it Dan or who was it we were talking about? You know, us wild mountaineers. Uh, yeah, we'd have a party before we went out the first time and we'd be pretty messed up. And you carry this pack, 80, 80 pound pack full of, you know, climbing gear and cameras and ice axes and food. And it was horrible. This is your first day. Ah, but you got to pick up that pack and it gets easier as you go. It gets lighter. You get rid of some of the food. You get in better shape. But that's how any of these creative journeys go the same way. Now, just in case you think, hey, Mark, yeah, you're kind of different than everybody else. Maybe you had it a lot easier. I'm going to tell you something, guys. I had an incredible learning disability growing up. It was never diagnosed as dyslexia, but it essentially was, okay? Which means I'd mix up words and numbers. And to this day, I am one, I'm probably the worst speller on this planet. I can barely spell my own name. Fortunately, I do know how to spell Mark because I have to tell people it's Mark, M-A-R-C, and it's Silber, S-I-L-B-E-R. How about that? I have both a first name and a last name that people don't know how to spell. They call me Mark, M-A-R-K, Silver. And a lot of times I'll just let them get away with it. But if it's important, I have to spell my first and last name. Otherwise, I wouldn't know how to spell it myself. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. So I'm diagnosed with this learning disability. And I started getting some tutoring after school. So one of my tutors turned out to be a photographer. Kind of amazing. So he's tutoring me on how to read, essentially. The way he did it was actually workable. So he had me read out loud. And then every time I didn't know a word, he'd, he'd define it. We'd, he had this really neat handwriting and he put it down on a piece of paper. And that actually opened up my ability to read. Many years later, I went through a whole program it's called Applied Scholastics that actually took his method and took it to a whole new level. And I actually got rid of that learning disability. I read constantly. I still can't spell for blank, but fortunately, there's spell check. And when I don't know how to spell a word, which could be almost my own name, I pick up wherever my phone went. And I just asked Suri, hey, Suri, how do you spell blah? Sometimes Suri doesn't even understand what I'm saying. You know, she gets it wrong. But that was the, that's where I came from. So how does a guy with a big learning disability end up writing four books? I had to overcome that. I had to commit. It was much harder for me than most people because, and I can't, I'm a lousy typist. And here I am typing these books. I should take a typing course and overcome this, but I, I'm like too lazy to take a typing course. I'd rather sit there and make all these mistakes and correct them. Go figure. Okay, those are some of my character flaws. You're getting to hear the inside story. But I did overcome that learning disability, and I also met my teacher who sold me this Leica M2 here. I think I got it for 200 bucks with a 50 millimeter lens. And that became my camera of choice through art school. Carried that thing around with two lenses. Oh yeah, I have a 35 millimeter lens that goes with this, which was my preferred lens, by the way, not the 50. 
And I used that through art school. I had one camera and one lens, and that was it. I did have this Roloflex that was given to me by my uncle, but I didn't use it a lot in art school. I mainly used the Leica. The Roloflex went with me on my trip to Mexico and other trips. And I still love that camera, although I don't shoot with it. Now I have a Hasselblad two and a quarter square right here. I'm lazy, guys. I don't shoot a lot of film. Sorry, I should. Anyway, uh, those, those are kind of my background stories for getting started in a career of writing. And I've told, already told you I started my career as a film producer with no understanding of film. How did I learn? I had a, a really great producer and he gave me tough love. He's like, okay, Mark. So we went off and did a shoot and he's like, I'd never worked with Final Cut. We used to use Final Cut 7. Never worked with it. Never worked with any any editing software for, for video. And he sat me down in front of this computer and said, here, scrub through this and find the parts that we should use. I'm like, scrub? What does that even mean? Scrub? Like dishes? Turns out it means to go through it kind of rapidly until you find something. I didn't even know what that word meant. Okay, I scrub through, I guess. And now I do this like in my sleep. I mean... It's my favorite, one of my favorite activities is to edit, but I didn't know what scrubbing meant. I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to cut. I didn't know how to edit. <laughs> I had no judgment even. What's good? What's not good? How's this going to work as a story? But he did, and he showed me how to do it. And I basically, um, yeah, we are Premiere Pro guys too. When Final Cut 7 went out of business, we jumped over to Premiere Pro. It's as far as I'm concerned, the only way to go. I'm very prejudiced. I love Adobe. So we use, a, you know, we have the Adobe suite. We use everything Adobe. Okay. Now, I'm not going to say you can't edit with Final Cut. I just don't. It's not my, I don't know anything about it. And I, I don't like to jump around from software to software. I think it's an incredible waste of time. Get to know your platform, stick with it. And in our case, we couldn't stick with it because they Apple stopped supporting it and it got funkier and funkier. We still open it from time to time because we got to rescue an old project. But anyway, we are Premiere Pro guys. So I'm rambling all over the place, but I hope I'm giving you guys a, a lesson. Commit first, then go for it. You know, reach out. Before I got that sponsor, before Sandisk gave me that sponsor, I reached out to every other sponsor anywhere in the photography space. I'm not kidding you. And we actually had a very, very big, almost committed sponsorship from a major company. I'm not going to mention their name. And it all fell apart in 2008 when the housing market crashed, the stock market crashed. I mean, it was the saddest day of my life when that all fell apart. But then I finally just said, F it. I'm going to get another one. And I did. And the rest is history. That's why I'm here talking to you guys. But I, it took that commitment. All right. I think we're all afraid to fail. Yeah. But we do forget that in order. But we do forget that in order to fail, we need to try. And also failure isn't a bad thing. It really isn't. Just get over any thought you have about failure. You should learn from failure. If you don't, you're, you're treating failure the wrong way. Failure, it doesn't mean you're lost. It means that that particular thing didn't work. Now you can learn from it. How many times have you gone out on a photo shoot, whether it's a casual one, hopefully not for a client, because you shouldn't be 
in a situation where you're going to fail when it really matters. You just can't. I mean, that's the first rule of, of being a professional. Bob Holmes said this, you can't fail. You have to come home with the goods. And that's just a necessity that you have to raise for yourself. It's like in mountaineering, you can't fall off the mountain and get hurt. You just don't do that. People do, but you don't let yourself do that. You just learn how not to do that. And the same thing is true. But if in your own work and you're testing things out, you should fail. You should embrace failure. Have you ever skied? Anybody here skied or snowboarded or surfed or any of those sports which require courage and, you know, it's like you're going up against the physical universe and when you fall, it can hurt. Well, guess what? You should learn to fall. That's actually part of the sport. Learn to fall. Don't take it as an accident. Like learn what's the best way to fall. I had to learn to fall when I learned how to snowboard. There's ways to fall and there's ways to break a leg. So learn how to fall safely and learn how to fail. Because really when you're up against something and you're learning it, of course, there's going to be some failures, but just keep going, push through it, learn what you need to learn, look back and go, okay, this is what I need to do next time. This is how I'm going to get over it. And I do that on shoots. I, every, after every shoot, after every event I give, if there's anything that didn't go right, I absolutely analyze it and tear it apart and fix it. So it doesn't happen again. That's my motto. It's not that you're never going to make a mistake. It's are you going to learn from those mistakes or not? Okay, so I'm going to show you guys something here. Let's bring up this screen here. This is the manuscript for my new book. and It has not been published. I don't even have a publisher for it. I don't know who the publisher is going to be. It's going to be different than my current publisher, which is Mango, because it's a completely different book. So here we go. Just keep in mind, this is all a mock-up. That's why they call it a mock-up. It's made up. I haven't pitched it to anybody. The title might change. I kind of like it. I hope it doesn't change. This is the photograph that I took in the eighth grade, and it's called Forever Young. So why did I call it Forever Young? I even put this, when I put stuff together, I like to make it look as close as I can to what the actual finished product is going to look like. After, I, after it comes out of the notebook stage here, now I'm into the mock-up stage. Testimonials. I don't have any testimonials. I don't know where I got those. I just made those up. Uh, <laughs> table of contents. The first thing you've got to do, guys, listen to, listen to Uncle Mark here. This is really important. The first thing you need to do when you write a book is write a table of contents. That's what my publisher had me do. And I thought, oh, that's silly. Why do I need a table of contents? Isn't that something you do after you write the book? No, the table of contents is your roadmap. And it's a, that was the most brilliant thing that that editor could have told me. Okay, we had a meeting. Your assignment is to go now write the table of contents. And it puts the roadmap there and it puts a commitment there. And then all I had to do was take that roadmap that table of contents and write each one of those chapters. And it gave me a, also a measuring stick. Oh, wow. I've written three things on my table of contents. I've got, this one has 15. Can it change as you write? Of course it can. But this is like having your shot list before you go out and shoot, which you should always have if you're on any kind of professional assignment. You don't just wing it. 
You know that you're going to get these certain shots. You're going to come away with these. You've got to have those. Like if you're a wedding photographer and you don't have a shot list, forget it. If you forget Aunt Susie, you do not have any photographs of Aunt Susie, she's going to be unhappy. And so is the bride because that's her favorite aunt. And so is the bride's mother because that's her sister. And you have just shot yourself in the foot. You'll never get that work with those people again, and they're going to be unhappy. The only way you will avoid that is you have a complete shot list that you make ahead of time that names every single person that you need to capture for that wedding. And you don't forget any of them. And you actually check it off. Okay? And you make sure you haven't missed anybody. Because that old, and you know, great uncle George, you forget the photograph of him. That's, that's really not okay. Okay, so anyway, same thing. <laughs> Table of contents provides you with a roadmap, super important. And I haven't written everything in here yet, but I think I got most of it. So there's our table of contents. I've given you this incredible secret. I am going to write, or I'm, I'm not going to write a book, but I'm going to do a course, a video course, how to write a book. Because again, there's too many people saying, gee, Mark, I really like, I'd like to write a book too. Well, dude, this is how you do it. Okay, here's my preface. Let me read this to you. And one of the things I love about writing books is I get to use all my photographs. That is cool. So being young is not a physical age. It is a state of mind. I put stuff on a page and I go, hey, that's not bad. I wonder who wrote that. Oh, it was me. You might have encountered a child who was in reality an aged adult in a small body. Have you ever run into those? They're cool, right? And conversely, an aged woman uh, with a bow in her hair a twinkle as of a teenager. And I'm giving you real life examples of people that I have met here. To this point, I'm passing along a collection of some of my stories, poems, and photographs of experiences that have helped kept me young and hungry for life and even foolish at times. I did meet an 84-year-old woman, came to the door, bow in her hair, and she looked like a teenager. So here's my forward. I always write, you know, okay, this is... Um, my introduction to this. And I talk about getting started. The school that I went to, this was a photograph I took in the seventh grade. And I tell that story. This is cool. Okay, I'm a 60s guy, right? So I came through the whole 60s music scene. That was fabulous. This was, uh, I used to go to the uh, Fillmore Auditorium in San Francisco which you can Google it, pretty amazing. And uh, the very first concert I went to, I was 14 years old, 14 years old. It cost a dollar and a half to get into. There were no age restrictions. I kind of snuck out of the house, got up there. We heard the Jefferson Airplane, and I walked through the door of this concert hall, the, the um, Fillmore Auditorium. I had heard this song on the radio. Now, bear in mind something, guys. We had low-fidelity music in those days. Yeah, there you could get a fancy FM radio with good speakers, but I was a teenager, okay? What kind of music did I have? I had this little tiny transistor radio about this big. You know, compared to what you get out of an iPhone, it was like really tinny and from nothing. And that's all I'd heard this music through this, you know, bad reproduction. 
So I walk through the door and all of a sudden these guys are playing It's No Secret. And you can Google that if you don't know that song. And uh, man, I was blown away. That made me into a true believer for music from from that point on. And I write about this story, what it was like. So that's one of the stories. And I just, I just kept going from there. I became a constant rock concert aficionado, which means I kept going to rock concerts. Yeah, I saw The Doors too. Who, who was that? That was kind of cool. Although Jim Morrison was a little messed up. Steven, okay. Taking a walk. Uh, this is a little illustration that I made many years ago. And I, I talk about, again, for me, the power of walking and why it's so important. And then this was the show, the light show in the Rockies. This is when I was a mountaineering instructor. And I was in the Rockies in the San Juan Mountains, if you know where that is. It's uh, north of Durango. There was a hell of a storm, massive storm. And I am... Digging it. I was totally digging it because that means dig, right? Dig is, if you don't know what that is, I'm not even going to tell you. No, digging means it's, you, you're, you're into it. You really think it's cool. Anyway, this, this, this was like a concert of the mountains, and it was pretty wild. And I tell the story not only of what happened there with lightning and thunder everywhere around me, but also climbing a peak a few years earlier and getting to the top of the peak, and a thunderstorm hit, and bazap, I saw a bush on my way down smoldering. That's how close I was to the lightning, and man, that scared the poop out of me. And I tell this story about living through that adventure. Man, that was something. Okay, you guys are getting all this inside stuff. Big Sur, if you hung around me, you know, Big Sur is only a, like practically across the street from me. In fact, on the Google Maps, they say that Big Sur is a, starts across the Highway 1 where I live near. So it's, I'm, I'm essentially in Big Sur, in the, in the northern part of Big Sur. And these are some poems I wrote about Big Sur and some of my photographs. All this could change, you guys. I, it's just, again, my mock-up here. This could all this could all change. Being tubed, if you any, do we have any surfers out there? Being tubed is a magical experience. And that means the wave comes over you. I saw in our AYP club, wait a minute, somebody put up a photograph. Oh, whoa. This was Andre. It's not a f- tube, but it's a guy dropping down a wave. When you're tubed, it's the ultimate experience in surfing. It's a, it's, it's like, nirvana of surfing (laughs) the wave rolls over you and you're inside it it's a mystical experience anyway i was in big sur paddled out didn't look like a very big day there were two people out in the water one was on a boogie board which we call spongers and the other was on i don't know some kind of short board or something they paddle in and i'm right up against these rocks the place that i'm i love to surf which i'm not going to tell you because i want to keep it secret you have to paddle right up against the rocks. In fact, one of those people told me, hey, dude, you got to get right up near the rocks. I did. And there was a rogue wave. This is in the summer. Rogue wave means it's just out of nowhere. You weren't expecting it. The waves leading up to it were not giving you any idea that this was going to happen. So this rogue wave comes in. And I like go, cool. I pop up, drop down in it. And the next thing you know, I am tubed. 
I'm covered. And it was like being inside a jet engine. That's what it feels like. I'm, I, it's a mystical experience. And water spraying out the back. Yeah, Jay Bay, Jeffrey's Bay is known. <laughs> Sean Thompson, actually, I know Sean, is Mr. Jay Bay. And it's, I haven't been there. But anyway, I'm, I'm in this tube. And guess what? Here's the coolest thing about it. This never happens to, if you're a surfer, you know what I'm talking about. Nobody ever gets to see these rides. You, you get to come back and say, gosh, you should have seen what happened to me. Well, guess what? I had my family on the beach. My wife and kids were on the beach and they were watching this. In fact, a whole bunch of other people were watching it. It was incredible. So I'm, I get out of the way. I get out of the tube. I am so stoked. I'm like, my body is just like vibrating. But then I look over, I look down to the beach because I've taken this thing as far as I could possibly take it. And they're all standing and cheering and waving and just letting me know that they all saw it. I mean, it was double, quadruple. <laughs> it was quadruple heaven. And that's in this story here. So you guys are getting all these stories. And that's what I like to convey is the feeling of what these experiences were like for me and why it was important. Because I feel like there's important messages in here. I lost my, there it is. Okay. So I tell that story, and that's one of my photographs of a guy about to jump off. This is at Steamer Lane in Santa Cruz. If you know it, there's a place where you can jump off here and paddle around. It's pretty cool. Anyway, there's that. Long Ridge Ranch is a ranch that I kind of grew up on, up in the mountains above Santa Cruz, above Palo Alto. Very special place. I built a cabin there. I essentially became the caretaker. I was a teenager. How did I pull that off? Well, I think it's in there. And then going to Mexico, it says needs to be expanded there. So I just started that story. And then there's some more poetry, various different poems, which um, will probably remain in there. You know, this is it. You know, one, various different poems. I am a poet. So there you guys have it. It's a work in progress. It's definitely not even barely done, but... How do you start a book? You start it. Okay, I hope I've given you guys a bit of inspiration there. And this is what you got to do. Start. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Write your table of contents. I didn't know that when I was fiddling around with my first version of this. I mean, I kind of had an idea, but I didn't know that the first thing I need to do is write a table of contents. So that's your first assignment. And that puts it in perspective. Get your, get your notebook. Start putting stuff in it. You heard Dan Milner say that. You've heard me say it. It's true. It works. There's only one way to do it, and that's to do it. Listen, when you create a video show, you always write a treatment. And a treatment is your outline, how this thing is going to go. And that's really important because it gives it a framework, and it gives you a point of jumping off. This is really important. So I've given you guys some really, I hope to you, valuable lessons in creativity. I'm going to tell you a couple other things. And it's in this book also. It's in both books. It's basically, you got you to gotta get rid of anything that stops you and pushes back into negativity. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So these are, it's called additional tools to help you with your creative life. Beware of vampires. No joke. There are people out there who would just love to suck the life out of you. And they're naysayers, and they're the people that you've got to avoid at all costs. 
because they will, they will, they only can feed off of other people. I'm not kidding. This is a real fact. Just like a vampire lives off of others' blood, these people live off of others' life force. And they hang around artists, they hang around creative people in the fringes, and sometimes they act like your friend trying to give you constructive criticism. There's a, I'm not going to hold this finger up, but you can kind of guess what would be my response. You don't need them, jettison them, because they're all they're going to do is get in your way. Very important. I'm telling you this because you need to know, and I put in the some advice on actually how to deal with it. And there's really good advice. The best thing is to do what Frank Sinatra said, the best revenge is success. The best thing you can do is be successful. So that's, that's important. Avoid those guys. But the most important thing, the most important thing is to get started in your project. So we're coming right back to where I started from. Get your notebook write it out. I will admit that I don't do this as much as, I mean, I write in my notebook all the time, but when I start writing a book, I do it on the computer. It just works better for me. And I put a folder together and I just start writing chapters. Another tip, do not edit yourself as you go. This is also in this book. And this applies to to a philosophy of life, but it applies to photography, video production, playing music, or writing a book. There's two stages here. One is production. The other is editing. Do not mix them together. If you edit yourself while you're trying to produce, you become your own worst enemy. Oh, that wasn't any good. Oh, boy, that sucks. This photograph sucks. Oh, I can't believe I wrote that paragraph. This is the stupidest. I'm going to start editing it right now. Don't do that. You're just shooting yourself in the foot. Put it down on paper, let it flow, let it rip. So what if it's got grammatical errors? So what if you didn't put a a semicolon instead of a comma? None of that matters. None of it. Remember what what, um, Scott Kelby was talking about all this obsession over noise. You're the only one that notices that. But this is even more basic than that. You do not want to edit yourself when you're producing If you are shooting film, shoot. Now, I will edit my head. Like if I'm interviewing someone, I'm going, okay, that was really good. Okay, yeah, this part's a little off point. I don't really need that. Oh, that was right on. But I'm not actually changing what I'm doing. I'm just keeping track. That's a little different. But when you're out on an assignment and you're shooting, go for it. If you're going to write a book, write. Do not worry about the misspellings and the bad grammar and all that stuff, you can, you're going to come back and fix that later. And you're going to have an editor that will definitely help you fix it. I mean, a book in my, my books go through 25 different people, maybe more. Okay. Before it's in its final form. A lot of people put their eyeballs on my books and I want more people to put eyes on it. Not because I really want them to tell me what to write or not write, but I want to find the holes in the book. So if I'm writing about something and because to me, I'm very close to it and I like, well, I know exactly what happened, but maybe I left out something really important. Like I go, oh yeah, it was great being tubed and I haven't defined what a tube is or given the person any idea of what that means. So one of my readers reads and goes, Mark, I just read this chapter about being tubed. I have no idea what a tube is. Duh. 
Okay, I had that happen when I was talking about negatives to a non-photographer. They didn't know what a negative was, especially in today's world. I'm like, doesn't everybody know what a negative is? So I not only defined it, I put a picture of what a negative was and the positive, the print beside it. So anybody reading this, and that came from one of my readers. So you got to let it flow. You got to let it rip and don't edit yourself. I'm giving you guys, this is the inside. This is in this book. Okay, I've said enough and I love you guys for listening. I hope you help us grow this channel. I'm really a big believer in what we're doing. I believe that we're bringing the best content in the internet world. Can I just say that? Come on, it is. This isn't just one guy's opinion. Like the show that I've just given you is one guy, right? But that's not my normal style. I bring you the best of any genre. These guys are killer. Every one of them, they're killer. And I select them because they really know what the F they're talking about. They have great work. They have shown that they can teach. The, I have a lot of criteria. I don't just pick these guys randomly out of the air. You know, In fact, you could send me a, a suggestion. I may or may not follow them because I know who I want to bring on this channel. They got to have great work, but they've got to really be able to share, you know, like Dan Milner, you love him. Bob Holmes, you love him. Peter Hurley. These guys are, have taught a lot of people. Scott Kelby. I mean, all, all these guys, Bambi Cantrell, they all know how to teach. And that's why I bring them on board. And that's why we do have the best channel. And I need you guys to help me spread the word. Will you share it, please? <laughs> Will you tell other people? You can share it in your own community. Share it on your social network. You can help us find great photographers in new countries. I'm really interested in that. You can leave your comments. You can like it. You can share it. You can certainly subscribe. <laughs> Those are all really important because, oh, don't forget to be a part of the AYP Club. That's really important. And I love you guys for joining me. I love you have, having you part of the channel. We also have, uh, Jared, will you put up the events page? We're making this like our stable point for all new videos coming out, whether they're live like this or they're video on demand tomorrow, you'll see this, or they're re-edited. Sorry, there it is, the events page. So I want you guys to constantly refer back to that because that'll tell you what's coming up, okay? We're launching our courses again. They're coming up, you guys, really soon. We've, we've done all sorts of work on the Secrets to Amazing Photo Composition as a course, as a video course. We just shot a bunch of new stuff. It's a really good course. Advancing Your Photography follows the book 100% but you get to see it as a video. How cool is that? And then you get to hear me and Bob Holmes talking about the major points of the book, and that's unreleased footage. That's coming up soon. Take care, you guys. Have an awesome weekend. Remember to get out and capture your own images of life. Love you guys. Take care. We'll see you really soon. Thanks for joining us today on Advancing Your Photography. If there's anything you wanted to see from today's episode, you can find the video version of this show on our YouTube channel, 
Advancing Your Photography. You can also find the show notes on our website, silverstudios.com forward slash podcast. Please rate and leave a review, subscribe, and be sure to share with your friends. And until next time, remember to get out and capture your own images of life.